In part 2 of this series, we delve further into the holiness of God, discovering his absolute holiness and his desire for us to hold him in reverence. We then look at the atonement, Jesus' blood and righteousness as the means for our entrance into the holy presence of God. Okay, so when we all stand, lift our Bibles high and make our declaration. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word. I believe his word. And I live by his word. Christ is my master. And to him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Shake hands with someone not next to you but someone you know out there. Right? Shake hands with them. Declare God's word over them. Just say God bless you. Or maybe you want to go a little deeper and say, the Lord is your healer. Oh, I see a lot of guys seated already. Come on, let's do that. <laughs> just declare. And the people who are watching online, uh, I just forgot that entire you know, uh, section of the audience. Uh, a very warm welcome. And uh, I don't know how you did the declaration, but uh, welcome. Okay. Um, last Sunday, we started the series on the holiness of God. Right? We looked at the holiness of God and... Uh, you know, what it entails, and, uh, and I was just wondering, if there was a, if there was a middle name for God, it would be holy. If, we, if there was a first name for God, it would be holy. If there was a surname, it would be holy, right? We call his word the Holy Bible. If you have a doubt, just turn and see, you know, it's written there, Holy Bible. And we call the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit. Everything about him is holy, is prefixed with a holy and that's our God. So last Sunday we looked at how there's a God reveals himself and when we get a revelation of the holiness of God, it always draws out, invokes a response out of us. Invokes a response out of us, the holiness of God. God has many attributes. He's good and it invokes a response to, you know, to follow after his goodness and to be good to others and so on. So holiness of God also invokes a response from deep within us because we are created in his image. And as new creations who have eternity in the hearts, in our hearts, we, you know, we are drawn to him. We are drawn to that holiness. And the Lord's desire is that he is holy and he wants that character or that attribute of holiness to be formed in us, to be seed in us. So that we might represent him, we might display that holiness with others as well. So that's, that's our God. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15, it says, you know, and you shall be holy, even as the one who called you is holy. And he goes on to say, for it is written, and he's quoting from Leviticus, he's saying, be holy, for I am holy. So the Lord doesn't say, hey, look at me and, you know, and be overwhelmed by my holiness and, and just stay that way. But God says, go beyond that. Go beyond that. Yes, it, we will be overwhelmed by the holiness of God. As Isaiah had that encounter, 
he said i'm undone i've reached the end of the road i can't do anything i can't say anything i've seen god i'm undone i've seen the majesty of god i've seen the robe fill the temple and this whole place is filled with smoke i've seen these you know the angelic creatures flying around and declaring holy 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 i've reached the end i'm undone yes we will be overwhelmed by the holiness of god but if you read the rest of the verses you see that god saying you know cleansing him doing on, only what he can do and that pulls out a response out of isaiah when god asked that question now whom shall i send who will go for us isaiah who said i'm undone i can't do anything now he says here am i god here am i god send me so god wants to see that character formed in us and that always draws out that response so we define what holiness is which is absolute purity absolute sinlessness absolute goodness and so on so in fact every attribute of god is mingled with holiness which means the love of god the love that he shows is not unholy but it's holy the justice of god it's not unholy but it's holy the goodness of god is not unholy but it's holy which means that the paths that he set before us are paths of righteousness all the time because he's a holy god and then we also looked at um, the goodness of god when we talk about the goodness of god we talk about the mercy of god the faithfulness of god the grace of god and we know that it's limitless but when we consider the holiness of god we know that there is a point where mercy and judgment will meet there is a point where grace and truth will meet but praise god the word of god declares that mercy triumphs over judgment but that happens when we confess when we humble ourselves and say oh god i am in that place and i'm in need of your mercy and it's not something that's automatic when we humble ourselves and when we ask him and say lord i'm in need of your mercy then mercy triumphs over judgment so we looked at all that today we're going to look at some more so are we ready yes okay so um we got you know don't switch off right because we do talk about holy holiness every time you hear the word especially when we do a series like this sometimes like oh i've heard it before no 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 let's just focus and uh, it's something to do with god who loves us and uh, let's have that hunger you know I, i'm always inspired by uh, moses um the life of moses Moses in Exodus 13 14 and so on he sees the he he sees the red sea being parted and uh, you know when his hands are lifted up by Aaron and Hur he sees that armies being routed and and he sees the manna come from heaven and he's seen all that and and he says he tells God God if you will not come with us if your presence will not go with us do not send us there and he tells God God show me your glory paul in philippians 3 he says he's he's seen everything he's traveled and he's ministered and the signs of the apostle are you know confirmed and signs wonders and he's seen many things and he says oh that i may know him and the power of his resurrection right that i may know him so maybe never become jaded may our hunger always be stirred up to know more of him because just like a precious stone is cut in many facets and each facet you know when it catches the light it shines in its brilliance 
the same way every revelation about the attributes of god just comes forth when the holy spirit quickens when the light of the holy spirit reveals to our spirit so maybe be hungry amen so tell your neighbor i'm hungry and it's not lunch time yet <laughs> okay you know many times when we talk about holiness we put on a long face but the fact is joy is part of the kingdom amen amen okay so god this is how he introduces himself you know isaiah 43 he says i am the lord your holy one the creator of israel your king isaiah 47 verse 4 isaiah talks about god and he says as for our redeemer the lord of hosts is his name the holy one of israel god himself saying i am the holy one so need we say anything less or anything different he's saying i am the holy one of israel he's which means that his very nature and in essence he is holy that's his nature he is holy and not only is he holy but as scripture declares he is thrice holy and the greek word used there trisagion meaning he is three times holy or he's holy to the third degree you now we use the term third degree apparently when it comes to you know uh, interrogation and all that we say third degree interrogation is the you know is the limit is the highest the utmost the extreme most extreme third degree and when it comes to you know medical terms third degree burns you know the damage is there damage is third degree so god is thrice holy or he's holy to the third degree which means the utmost the limit the extreme and interestingly the two people you know actually differentiated by uh, you know centuries they have the same experience of the throne room throne room worship and this is what they hear let's look at isaiah chapter 6 we read these verses just now but we'll just read them again isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 to 3 in the year that king uzziah died i saw the lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple above it stood seraphim each one had six wings with two he covered his face with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one cried to another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory that was isaiah's experience we turn to revelation 4 and verse 8 john on the island of patmos and this is what he sees verse 8 says the four living creatures each having six wings were full of eyes around and within and they do not rest day or night saying holy 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 lord god almighty who was and is and is to come the song of the seraphim and the song of the heavenly creatures or oh, some people say hey it's not a song they said it okay so it's a rap it's a rap <laughs> but whatever it was it was declared it was sung it was declared and was said holy 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 Lord God almighty in the throne room worship that's happening worship that is emphasized is about his holiness now there are many attributes of god god is good god is love 
He's so full of mercy. And yet we see in the throne room, the worship that happens, it's His holiness that is being declared. It is His holiness that is being declared. John 4, 8 says that they do not rest day or night, the living creatures. They are, even right now, they are actually declaring holy, holy, holy. You know, when we sang that song, holy, 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 I believe that it, we were singing in sync with what was happening in heaven, what was sung in heaven, holy, holy, holy. You know, it's an amazing thing that we on earth get to, you know, worship along with those in heaven and make a glorious and raise up a glorious sound to the Lord, sound of worship. Amen. What a privilege. What a privilege. Holy, holy, holy. He's thrice holy. Absolute purity, absolute sinlessness. And the Lord says that his name is holy. His name is holy. If you turn to Psalm 103 and verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. All that is within me, bless. Bless means to honor, to esteem, to raise up, to esteem highly. So the psalmist says, all that is within me, bless his holy name, honor his holy name, esteem highly his holy name. His name is holy. Again in Psalm 105 verse 3, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Glory. And the word used there is halal, which means a loud shout, to boast, to rave about. So the psalmist is saying you boast about his holy name. You rave about his holy name. You glory in his holy name. If there's one place that we can boast righteously is when we worship God. Or if it's one person that we can boast about, it's God. You know, we can never overboast or exaggerate, right? We will always come short of who he is, even in our most extreme boasting. The psalmist says, just glory, just rave, just boast about his holy name. And the Lord Jesus, when he instructed his disciples, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, meaning, let it be held pure, consecrated. Your name is pure, your name is consecrated, your name is set apart. Hallowed be your name. So his name is holy. His name is to be hallowed. His name is to be, you know, highly exalted, highly esteemed. So the question is, how do we regard his name? How do we regard the name of the Lord? You know, popular culture is to use the name of the Lord as a curse, to use the name of the Lord in vain, to use the name of the Lord in exasperation. You know, I, you know we, we understand a desperate cry. You know, that's different from using the name of the Lord as a curse. Now, that's popular culture. And the Lord is actually, you know, telling um, the, the Israelites, we read in Ezekiel 36, uh, let me just read a few verses here. Ezekiel 36, 20 to 23, when they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations, wherever they went. 
And the Lord says in verse 23, I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord. So the Lord wants to sanctify his name and restore that holiness, that greatness that is part of his name. Saying, you have profaned it, but I want to sanctify it. And the nations will know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel 39 verse 7. So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel. And I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. And the word, Hebrew word used there, profane, is the same word we see in Isaiah 53, which means to be un, to pierce through, to bruise. bruise. So the Lord's name is to be praised, worshipped, glorified, esteemed highly. And the question is, how do we regard God's name? How do we regard his name? You know, maybe knowingly, unknowingly, you know, we profaned his name. But the Lord wants to sanctify his name for it is holy. His name is holy and the very words that he speaks, they are holy. Scripture says that God, in Psalm 60 and verse 6, God has spoken in his holiness. So the very words that proceed out of his mouth, they are holy words. He has spoken in his, holy, in his holiness. The words that are true, the words that are perfect, the words that are pure, are the words which proceed out of his mouth. The words of his mouth, holy. And again, the question is, how do we regard the word of God? How do we regard the word of God? He himself has spoken in his holiness. The every word that proceeds out of him is holy. So what is our response to that? You know, how do we regard the word of God? You know, you're not talking about the times when maybe the Bible falls down and we take it and we kiss it. And I don't know if people do that, you know. Um, and, you know, not the external thing, but really the truth of God's word in our heart. The truth of God's word, the values, the instructions of God's word. How do we regard it? How do we regard the word of God? Because it is holy. It is holy. The angels of God, God has made them holy. The seraphim, the angelic beings, so that they can stand in his presence and worship. His house is holy. His house is holy. Psalm 93 and verse 5, your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. Holiness adorns your house. It's like a decoration. You know, when we go into different people's house and people have different tastes and, you know, some stuff is very grand and uh, you adorn the house and, and um, you know, decorate it. Some, some just fill the house with plants. It's like a greenhouse. Everywhere you turn, you know, plants coming out of everywhere. And maybe some beautiful artifacts here and there. And maybe some houses, books everywhere. Anybody? Books wall to wall, right? And when we enter into a house, you know, you sense the atmosphere in the place, right? Uh, maybe they just had a fight. Or the kids have been disciplined. And you ring the bell and they open and you step in and you're like, oh. Something happened here. <laughs> the atmosphere is very, you know, you can cut through the, the silence with a knife and something is very strained here. We know that, we sense that. The atmosphere of God's dwelling 
is holiness is holiness holiness adorns his house holiness adorns his dwelling you know there are many terms which are referred to um as god's dwelling you know god's holy hill psalm 2 holy mountain psalm 3 holy temple holy place holy sanctuary holy throne psalm 47 holy habitation zechariah 2 everything is prefixed with a holy his habitation is holy holiness adorns his dwelling in the old testament the lord instructed moses uh, to build the tabernacle and there were different you know different compartments there and and maybe studied that and he he instructs moses to give holy garments for beauty and for praise holy garments for the priests holy garments and then there was this holy place where there was a showbread where there was incense and so on and the holy incense was offered there so it is called the holy place and then the most holy place the holy of holies now we we see all that and where the ark of the covenant was the presence of god and god would speak to the high priest so holiness everywhere holiness adorn adorns that place When we come to the New Testament we see that you and I we are the dwelling place of this holy God. If we receive the Lord Lord Jesus into our hearts, he comes, he dwells. You and I, you know, it's an awesome it's an awesome thing. The God who's so holy, the God who is, you know, whose nature is holy, the God who is uncontaminated untouched by sin who choose to dwell in us you and i we are the dwelling place of god whether individually 1 corinthians 3 uh, 16 i think talks about the believers collectively being the dwelling place of god and ephesians 2 also talks about it says you also are being built together for a dwelling place of god in the spirit therefore it means that everything about us must be consecrated must be holy you know when we say that it doesn't mean that we leave everything go to a place where we see no other human being and live in isolation to be uncontaminated to be untouched that is not god's desire you know when we do these road trips and uh, maybe it's after sundown you you want to stop at a place you stop at this uh, hotel and this eatery by the roadside and um, you know it's deliciously dirty right you know those places where they have these dosa and 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 it's just tastes divine just one thing on the menu what do you have dosa and chutney take it or leave it and they say okay okay give it okay so you you just peep inside the kitchen and you see something happening there is a broom and it's not on the floor but it's on the ladle you know on the dosakal it's there and the cook just puts the water on that and uses the broom to cleanse it and and then comes the dosa and but that broom has a specific role right it is set apart to be on that ladle i don't know if ladle is the right term is it girdle i think skillet okay skillet so that broom is used on top of the skillet alone 
And that's what the Lord is saying. It's a crude analogy. And don't build too much into the analogy. What about the other broom? <laughs> don't, you know, don't go too much into it. But the fact is that we are set apart. Our lives are set apart individually, collectively, you know, as a church, as a family. Our lives are set apart, consecrated, because His Spirit dwells in us. Amen? Amen. So, His dwelling place, He adorns with holiness. And the Lord says that He must be regarded as holy. Leviticus 10 and verse 3, By those who come near me, the Lord says, I must be regarded as holy. In fact, the Lord himself, the Lord Jesus, referring to God the Father, he says, Holy Father, you know, he's praying for his disciples and he refers to God the Father as Holy Father. So, he's so holy. So, the question is, you know, he's so holy, he seems to be unapproachable, he seems to be so standoffish. Now, how do I relate to him? How can I talk to him? How can I have a normal conversation with someone like that? You know, I'm sure we've, you know, we've met people and, We've been so off them, they're so intellectual, or, and uh, we, we, we're not even to say anything. We're not able to say anything to them, ask them anything. We're just dumbstruck, right? So we might be in that place saying, if God is so holy, if he's so unapproachable, is he really? But the fact is, this God, who is so holy, who's so awesome, so pure, so full of love, so full of grace, wants to relate to each one of us. And he makes the first move. He makes the first move to relate to each one of us. He wants us to be partakers of this divine nature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's our God. He's inviting us, urging us, inviting us to be part of his divine nature. And one of the ways in which he makes a way for us to come and approach him is through the atonement. The atonement, the Hebrew word there, which literally means to cover something, to cover something. Let's read Leviticus 14, verse 19. In Leviticus 14, 19 and 20, it talks about how the priest will offer a sin offering if there is someone, based uh, on behalf of someone who is Ritually or ceremoniously considered, considered impure, right? Maybe um, in those days, someone with leprosy was considered impure and, and he had to be made clean. So Leviticus 14 and 19 says, Then the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. Atonement literally means to cancel something. It means to, to appease, to, to make amends, to put away, to purge. So the priest makes the atonement with that sacrifice. And the word cleanse there means to to be declared holy, to purify, to be declared as uncontaminated, and so on. So the priest does that under the Levitical law. This was done, 
and the atonement happened as a result of the sin offering and made that person who was considered unclean, made that person clean. Now we know that the Lord Jesus is our atonement. He went to the cross. He shed his blood to be our atonement. To cleanse us from whatever contaminates us. Whatever. Whatever pulls us down. Now sometimes we think this, maybe this God cannot cleanse. It's not true. It's not true. And the reason we come to that place is, you know, we have done it so many times. We've sinned, asked for forgiveness, sinned, asked for forgiveness, sinned, asked for forgiveness. And then for the nth time we sin and say, oh, how can I ask for forgiveness? Maybe God cannot cleanse. But the fact is that he is our atonement. Romans 5 and verse 10 says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. And the King James Bible translates this as atonement. Through Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the atonement. So the atonement makes us holy so that we can stand and relate to this holy God. The blood of Jesus, the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice makes us, brings us to a place where we can relate to him. So praise God for that atonement. Praise God for that perfect sacrifice. We can never make light of that. Right? Because he drew us to himself through a sacrifice. And not only that, but his blood, the blood that he shed, through that blood, he gave us his righteousness. He gave us his righteousness. Let's look at Hebrews 10 and verse 19. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The blood of Jesus has made a way for us to come boldly, not to the outer coast, outer court, not to the holy place, but to the very holy of holies. It says, to the holiest. And don't, he says, you, you can come boldly. You don't have to come in guilt and condemnation. And, you know, with, you don't have to, you can come boldly because this is what Christ did for us. It's not because of our own righteousness, but the righteousness which he put on us because of his blood. The righteousness which he clothes us with. And which is what um, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 says. For he, knew, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So he has clothed us with his righteousness, his right standing, the righteousness of God. 
righteousness means to be right, to be just, to be acquitted, to be justified. When we stand before God, clothed in His righteousness, it means in God's eyes we are right. Seems too good to be true. Seems too good to be true. And which is why, you know, the Jews find it so, they found it so difficult. And we're going to be studying about the book of Romans a little later, I think in the month of June. And it's going to be exciting, right? Because Jews found it very difficult. You know, how can you say? How can you say? How can a man be made righteous apart from the law? And that's what Paul explains. And he says, this is what happened. The blood of Christ, you've been made righteous. And it's so purely a work of God. It's by the grace of God. And we have access to this grace by faith. By faith. All we have to do is to just believe in what he did. Because all our performance, all our accomplishments, everything that we do, try to do right, comes and falls short of his righteousness. So he did something. He killed the old man and he clothed us with his righteousness. He created new, created us anew, made us new creations and clothed us with his righteousness. Now you have access. Not just to the outer court, not just stand from a distance and worship, but really to the holiest of holies, to commune with him, to have fellowship with him. Amen. So this morning, I um, just want to ask us, you know, do we have the confidence to go before him? Or are we worshiping from a distance? All of us, you know, we, we do stuff in life and we, we, that we regret. And maybe we've sinned and we know it. And maybe there's some things in our lives which has become part of our lifestyle and we are struggling with. And we're saying, you know, how can I come to God? How can I come to him? I profaned his name. You know, this is part of my life. I said this. This morning, you know, I did this. This morning, I did this. So how can I come to God? We just acknowledge what he did for us on the cross. 1 John 1 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness because he has clothed us with his righteousness and he invites us this morning to come to him. Amen. So we have unlimited access to this holy God. Praise God. Unlimited access to this holy God who wants to be part of our life, who wants to hold our hands and lead us on, who wants to give those breakthroughs in our lives, who wants to do something beautiful in our lives, who's already created good works that we should walk in them. And if we are looking at our lives and saying, you know, my life is a mess. I started out right, but right now it's a mess. It needs change. The Lord is more than willing to do that. More than willing to do that. The answer is not to stay away, get clean, and, uh, you know, work things out and come. No, no. If we are saying, you know, I'm a mess, that's a candidate. That's the right candidate. And God wants to do something in our lives. He wants to do something in our lives. And if there's anyone here, and if you've not really invited the Lord into your heart, uh, today you can do that. You know, I was a Christian all my life, or so I thought. I went to church, and I was an outstanding Christian. So I stood outside the church under the trees for most of the service. And I thought I was doing fine, till the day you know, someone came and told me 
um, you know, in a message, in a, in a meeting, they're saying that you need guts to be a Christian. I thought to be a Christian, to follow Christ means you had to be an emotionally crippled person. I said, I don't want an emotional crutch to follow Jesus. I don't want religion in my life. I'm strong. You know, I can do things on my own. This person said, you need guts to follow Jesus because it's, it's really a journey. You know, it's, it's a counter trend. You need guts to stand up. You need, to, you, need, you need strength. You need guts. And that really changed my perspective. And I said, maybe there is something to what he's saying. And I just prayed to the Lord and I asked, you know, I just had this conversation. I said, Lord, if you are real, if you are true, and believe me, you know, I've been going to church all these days, you know, and it was in first year of college, I think, and towards the end of that first year, I said, Lord, if you are real, if all that this man says is true, then I want you to change me, you know, come into my life and change me. So I really don't know when I made that choice, when I crossed over from darkness to light, from death to life, but it happened. And the conversations continued with the Lord, and suddenly the Bible made sense. And um, just want to you know, invite us this morning, you know, if you're here and maybe uh, the worship team can come up and we're just going to spend some time just praying and ministering and as we get ready to close. But if you are here and if you've never, ever received the Lord Jesus into your life, um, you know, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. And it's not so complicated. It's not as complex as, you know, sometimes people make it to be, but it's so simple. It's as simple as inviting him into your life. It's as simple as inviting someone home and acknowledging that you've not got it all sorted in life. Acknowledging that, yes, I've messed up. I need a savior. I've sinned. I need a savior. So uh, why don't we just bow our heads and pray and just want to give this time for anyone to, to make that prayer, to invite the Lord into your heart. Maybe you've been invited here through a friend and maybe you, you saw the church website and you came and maybe you were just curious. But today, you know, you can make a choice, a decision to invite him into your life. The Bible says the Lord Jesus, he came 2,000 years ago, lived a sinless life, perfect life. He carried our sin which separated us from God upon himself. And he died on the cross for our sins, for our sake. And not only that, he, on the third day, he rose again, victorious, triumphant. And when we put our trust in him and we acknowledge this truth, he comes and he comes within, he changes our lives. So if there's anyone here and you want to make that prayer, just go ahead, just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me on the cross. I believe that you rose again on the third day for my sake. And I believe, Lord, that you are here and I want to invite you into my life. Forgive my sins. Change my life. Cleanse me. I want to be your child. Come, Lord Jesus.
Is there anyone here who's made that prayer? Now, can you, for the first time, just want to see your hand. Maybe you can just put your hand up and put it down again. If you made that prayer for the first time, we want to pray with you and give you some resources to help you. And anyone, for the first time in your life, you prayed that prayer? Anyone at all? Yeah, okay. Anyone else? balcony, anyone prayed that prayer for the first time our ushers will give you a packet and, and just want you to stay back and we'll pray with you okay and I'm just going to spend some time just praying ministering and I want to call our life group leaders to come up in front and we're going to be praying we're going to be praying for each other's needs. Come, Suhas. Um, any other life group leaders who are here? Um, can you just, Anand is here. Um, and prayer leaders, those of you who lead prayer uh, here. Um, yeah, life group leaders and prayer leaders, you can come here, please. And yeah, If you can make your way to the front quickly. Um, okay, We're going to take some time to just pray. You know, if any of us feeling the weight of sin you know there was a time when you were free but today you're feeling heavy burdened and you want to be set free and maybe there are things that you know you feel ashamed to share with anyone and you're saying you know how can I ever ask someone to pray for this don't worry you don't have to come and name that need you don't even have to articulate that need just come and let the Lord deal with you. The Lord hears. The Bible says that His eyes are always open. His ears are open to our cries. He never sleeps nor slumbers. So He knows, He understands. And let us minister in prayer. And this is what church is about, to pray for one another, to receive strength, to receive the word of the Lord to receive prophecy. The prophecy is nothing but hearing the voice of the Lord and releasing that. To receive healing, to minister in healing. Right? So all of us, we might have different needs, different needs, different needs. And maybe there are some of us here saying, okay, my need is so small. Why should I bother the Lord with it? You know, don't worry, just come. Just come. Or maybe you're saying, my need is so big so big even the lord can't handle it he holds the whole world in his hands the nations are a drop in the bucket don't underestimate god he's all powerful and today could be the day of breakthrough today right so we are not any special people those of us on stage or you know down we're all here by the grace of god we are all here by the blood of jesus we are all here because we are clothed in his righteousness and all that we are doing going to do this morning is to call upon his name call upon his name, the name of Jesus because he is faithful he is faithful, so just come and um, even as the team leads us in worship just want to open up this time, so we invite you, no pressure but uh, if you want to be prayed for, please do come forward and uh, we'll pray and we'll minister yes Lord, thank you
that you would do a deep work of cleansing that you would align our hearts that you would bring us Lord to that place of being confident in you open our eyes to see you open our ears Lord to hear your voice Father we pray that this revelation Lord that you have clothed us with your righteousness let it be strong in us. Lord, let it be our identity. Lord, let it be one of the pillars in our hearts, God, that we will be unshakable and strong and established, oh God, in who we are, Lord, in our relation with you, Master. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name. We bless your name. Bless your name. I'm just going to keep the altar open for those of us who want to come. And, but we're going to close right now and we're going to continue praying. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and the days ahead. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.